Hello, you are listening to episode 17 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Monday, November 20th. And if you cannot tell, Preeti is very tired. I am pretty tired. (laughs) She has had a very, very long month, which started with her coming and visiting me, which was very, very fun. And we spent like two days in our pajamas watching movies, which was was incredible. Awesome. And it was the beginning of just a very long series of trips. Um, because after that I traveled to two conferences back to back and I got back about an hour and a half ago. I walked into my apartment with my 48 pound suitcase, which was super fun to bring up the stairs to my New York apartment. Um, and I, have also been, I've spent the last three days in a booth talking to teachers. And so my voice is a little Yeah, so that's though. exactly what she wants to come do is come <laughs> straight home to the airport and be texting me like, I just have to eat food before we record. <laughs> but because we are, it's kind of late and we wanted to go ahead and get this out because next month, it's very exciting. We have a special guest for our The Force Awakens recording. Yes, next week. Next, next week. week. Not next month. I'm tired. I know. Too. Not as it's tired, okay, but I'm tired too. We're gonna do a lot of like wrong words today. Yeah, I today, think this, I, this podcast is going to be a mess. So it's gonna be a train wreck, and it's gonna be okay. Yes. Um, but yes, we have a very special guest on for the Force Awakens. Um, author Seba Tahir will be on with us. Fingers crossed, nothing goes wrong. Um, to talk about Star Wars because she's awesome and, and Star Wars is a, awesome. And she wrote a Star Wars story in the. She did in the certain point of view anthology and so we'll talk about the force awakens with her but um okay so before we get started we have a special little thing we're doing um this basically for the rest of this month and part of next if you pledge to our patreon um before no december 15th you will get a special daisy geek girls holiday card and we have no idea what it was look like. Literally, this is something I was texting to Preeti while I think you were at Y'all Fest. Yeah, I was at Y'all Fest probably. And I think I was just like, sure, whatever you want to do. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And so um, so this is, we have no idea what will, it will contain photographs. Like we will put some pictures of ours. So if you want to put us on your fridge, um, you have to just pledge a dollar or more. You know, there's no like minimum because I think a dollar is a minimum. You can pledge yeah. on Patreon. So um, like whatever you want to. Give us and you will get a holiday card from us. My here's my idea. Since we both have received our porg pajamas. uh, Yes, yeah. I think we should do we're not in the same city, but I think we should have, you know, someone photograph us in our porg pajamas in a specific pose, maybe pretending with a lightsaber. Like matching porg poses. In our matching poses, and we're I'm gonna Photoshop it all together. For a happy belated life day you say card. Photoshop. But I, you really mean MS Paint. I probably mean it. MS Paint. Because <laughs> Preeti is an MS Paint wizard. It's true. Um, so, yeah, so if you, and this is um, US only, so if you yeah. are outside of the country, well, we're going to try and figure it out if we do get patrons who are outside of the country, depending, it's kind of just dependent on how many we get and like what the situation is. So, I'm not ruling it out, but. We're just saying for right now, U.S. only, and then we'll, yes. we'll see what we'll, happens. We'll reassess. Yes. Um, and then... Uh, speaking of Life Day, which was three days ago... Yes. On November 17th, if you are not familiar with Life Day, it is a Wookiee holiday, mm-hmm. and it is the day that the Star Wars Holiday Special first aired in 1978. And, and it's a very also, important holiday to Preethe and me as Wookiees. It is. 
It's the only time the Star Wars holiday special ever aired. And so Sumner and I both wrote... wrote I don't know why I'm laughing so hard. Because it's terrible. It's so bad. Oh, um, my God. So we both wrote a few pieces over at SciFi.com. Sumner had... 42 thoughts while watching the Star Wars Holiday Special. And half of them is, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. And I ranked all the songs of the Star Wars Holiday Special. You'll have to check it out to find out who made number one. Yeah. Of the four songs that are, the four original songs that are in that movie. It's pretty much the song you think because it's the only one that's like. You'll see. You'll see. Maybe I throw a curve out there. But if you want if you want a piece that's got a few pieces, I think that have some masturbation jokes. Yes, and are yes. far more crass than either of us usually write. Yes, you can check it out over yes. at the Sci-Fi Fangirls Vertical. Yes, um, we're both pretty proud. I got back. I hope Cher doesn't listen to this because I pitched this story for Life Day like the day before. And I was at a conference, like I was, I was at, I was in St. Louis at NCTE and I was in a convention center all day. And then I had dinner with colleagues and authors and then I had drinks and then I got back to my hotel at like 1130 or 11 PM. And I was like, oh no, I have to write this post about the Star Wars holiday special that was due an hour ago. And I wrote it, and I sent it to Swapna at two in the morning. Yes, and I um, and I texted her back because she makes a reference to like you know, if you are not a Star Wars mole person and don't know what the holiday special is, and I was saying, you know, are you implying that you and I are Star Wars more mole people? And we are, we are Star Wars mole people. It's That's true. It's true. Um. So yes, go to the sci-fi fangirls vertical yeah. and and. and- Read them if you want. We were thinking of doing a holiday special, like watch, like a yeah. like, like this year. And I think between because like with Thanksgiving and Preeti's travel schedule and doing all of our monthly Star Wars podcast, got a little tight. Yes. I am planning on watching it December 9th, just because. More power to you. I watched it once this year. I can't do it again. But next year we may do a special if there's enough. How how mad would all of you be if uh, December, you know, 16th or whatever, we release our Daisy Geek Girl Star Wars episode. And it's it's about about the holiday holiday special special and not about The Last Jedi. I think people would show up respectively at my house in your apartment (laughs) and kill us because I would. Please, I hope I remember. I'm just going to say it's the Star Wars Holiday Special, and then we'll go into The Last Jedi. Oh, my God. All right, that's enough about Lifetime. Okay, <laughs> so let's um, um, we'll get our news out of the way really quick. So um, first, Star Trek Discovery, the first half of the first season, uh, finished airing not this past, not yesterday, but the week before last. And um, I talk, we talked about the show, I think, when it was like three, ep- three or four episodes in. Because mm-hmm. um, I watched the first three episodes, yeah. but I haven't had time recently to catch up. And I will say now, like, unqualified, I love this show. I think it's incredible. It's The storytelling's incredible. The one thing that had me worried at the beginning of the show was that it would be too focused on action, but they've done some lovely character development and some incredible character moments. The acting is so good. 
Um, and then it's just one of those things where, like, you know, you'll be on a bridge scene and the captain is the only white person on the bridge. And it's, you know, like, because the um, a lot of the main characters are people of color. And um, then, like, the extras are also people of color. And, like, it's incredible. Like, just... The representation in the show, it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm not pretending like it's perfect because nothing's perfect. I'm sure right. there are issues that I don't see um, because I do, as you and I have discussed, you uh, like I love things hard and I try to, you know, like sometimes that blinds me to issues they have. Like I, that happens like, cause I want to love things. I don't mm-hmm. want to pick things apart and I don't want to notice and, you know, I try to think critically, but when it's something I love, it's, it's hard to do. So I'm sure there are issues I'm not. Although I did actually ask a friend of mine about the gay representation in um, Discovery because I think it's lovely and wonderful. And they have um, Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp as a gay couple um, who are both of them are lovely. And it's such a just beautiful, like, just, just a depiction of a normal couple. There's nothing mm-hmm. like extraordinary or like you know it's extraordinary in its ordinariness if that makes sense and um so I ask just to you know make sure I'm talking about this but I want to make sure I'm you know I'm doing it you know if there are any issues with it and he um told me like no I think this is I love it and so I I think it does really well with representation on multiple levels um yeah and so that's kind of my plug for it I got I'm still getting reaped like on the internet because uh, um, right after it came out, I wrote a post kind of lambasting CBS for putting it on all access and, you know, putting it behind a paywall. And now I have not necessarily walked it back because I still think that model is really frustrating. But um, I also say, you know, I think it's a show worth paying for. Like, I think it is frustrating, but this is the reality of how it is. And it's very successful for right now where it is. Um, that might change in the future, but for right now it is very successful where it is. That isn't going to change. And I love it. And I think it's worth paying for. Um, and yeah, the internet hates me for that. I've been called a serious no. shill many, many times. Oh but my God. I know it's terrible, but I'm like, and I, I'm like, whatever, like you can think I'm a show for CBS, but I'm very, I've been very vocal about my disapproval of the model and I don't love the model. It's just kind of, I've accepted that that's the reality of, we're not going to always get content the way we want it. I'm not going to get this the way I want it, but I'm glad it exists and I will support it financially. So <laughs> this is not related <laughs> and this is the first, I know it is related, but this is the first tangent of what I'm sure will be many because I've been thinking a lot about shitty people on the internet lately. Mm-hmm. And there are many. It make, there are so many. And it makes you think there's this like phrase that I've been like using that doesn't really make sense unless you know the story behind. I mean, it makes sense, but it's not, it's really funny to me. So like years ago, three of my friends are in the back of a cab driving through Brooklyn, New York at like two in the morning And this girl is like standing at a gas station and she like puts her hand up to call the cat, like to like hail the cab and the windows down. And my friend Alex who's sitting, I think in the middle of the back leans out the window and goes, see a letter, butch. (laughs) As it turns the corner. And I just, that's all I want to say to shitty people on the internet. 
Like, yeah. I know I've seen people who are like, I'm not going to watch the new Star Trek now that they have gay couples in it. I'm yeah. Like, Great. Oh, my God. See like, you later, bitch. And <laughs> I have a, you. Like, my thing with it is I do think it is aimed specifically at people of color and at... Um, but, I, I think it's aimed at women. I think it's aimed at, you know, maybe... Which is not- awesome because that is not... That is like, you know, you think about something like um, Young Justice that got canceled not because it was was not doing well, but because the wrong audience was watching it, which yeah. is to say women and teen girls were watching that yeah. show. And they weren't getting boys to watch it. Though, so rather than take advantage of the audience they were getting, they just canceled it. Yeah. And here you have a genre show that is, I don't know if they are like deliberately targeting or whatever the conversations at the network are, but they are deliberately being inclusive in a way that and they're hurts. not and I think the frustrating thing a lot about inclusivity is they like is a lot of shows and stuff kind of work it in the they hope people won't notice. The right. wrong it's, people won't well, notice it, the inclusivity. It's subtext. It's right. never text, right? It's or just, always subtext. Like like oh, we're going to be inclusive, but we're not going to make a big deal about it so the trolls don't notice. Well, it's it's James Gunn at Guardians being, before Guardians came out, being like, maybe there's a gay character in it. And then you watch the movie and you're like, where? And he's like, oh, I didn't mean for sure. I just meant you could read them as gay if you wanted. Right. Or Tessa, the, them cutting the scene out of, well, we'll get to that. Right. We'll, we'll get to that. Well, yeah, we are talking about Thor Ragnarok today. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, so basically this show is never um, made, never, like, been quiet about being all about diversity. Like, even in bef- way before it aired, like, all of their promos are about, like, mm-hmm. the show is about diversity um, and that's celebrating Star diversity. Trek, right? It is, but Star Trek has never, Star Trek has definition of diversity has often been I know. very narrow. Okay, so rather when I say it's Star Trek, I mean it's it's the natural progression of what Star Trek has represented. I agree. Yes, and I'm glad because it would have been easier to not. Like in terms of like it would have been very very easy for them to just like take instead of right. taking like the next step, they took the next the steps that that should have been taken, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like they're 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 taking a lot of steps at once, and I appreciate it. And um, yeah. Anyway, it's. Uh, I wonder. So, I wonder if my mom's going to be happy with this conversation. Oh yes, her uh, Preeti's mother um, has asked us to talk more about Star Trek because we talk Unless, about Star Wars so much. We talk about Star Wars so much, and she's like. Why don't you talk more about Star Trek? And I'm like, I'm game. I'm game. Because, <laughs> God, I'm, like, the biggest Star Trek nerd. But, um, no, I do. I think it's a great show. I think it's really well done. If you're on the fence about it, um, I think, and you have, like, a week at thanks, like, this week at Thanksgiving free or a week during the holidays, I think the CBS All Access trial comes with a week free. And you can totally like the first half of the it's first only season. Like ten, ten so episodes. It's it's eight, nine episodes. Eight. So you oh. can totally like subscribe for a week, watch the first nine episodes, and if it's not for you, or you know, watch the first however many episodes before. No, watch watch. I would say having watched the first three episodes, you have to watch the first. At three. least watch the first three because, because the, show the third. Changes. Yeah, the third episode is drastically different than the first two, which is more of a like prequel miniseries than it is part of the actual show. And I will say for the most part, 
every episode gets better. Like, it's not, it's a show where every episode is better than the one that came before, with, like, one exception that I'm thinking of. Um, and that episode wasn't bad. It just didn't, you know, it was just, it was an episode of the week. But anyway, okay, so All Star right. Trek, I really like it. Watch it, you know, ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know how to end Ta-da. that. Live long and prosper. There you go. See you later, bitch. Um, um, all right. True Detective. So, True Detective. And I am. I watched, I'm going to get, like, pitchforks, but I watched, like, most of the first season. And then I watched, I skipped, like, three episodes of the first season. Yeah. Like, I watched, like, maybe, I don't even know how many. I watched most of it, I feel like. And just found it to be, like, beautifully made. Yes. But, the story, the plot wasn't, and it was beautifully made. It was really well acted, but the plot wasn't there for me. It was like, I could have watched it. I could have, I would have been fine finishing it, but it didn't pull me back in. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't watch season two because I heard it was a total train wreck, but they just dropped this news for season three that it's going to be Mahershala Ali and Carmen. I'm not sure if it's a Jogo or Ehogo. Um, but that sounds really compelling to me. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely give that a shot. Like, we'll give I it love a him. Shot. I've been a fan of his ever since the 4400, which was this, like, old sci-fi show on the USA Network. USA, like, right. A, Ten years ago or something. But, yeah, I loved – I love him. So uh, – and everybody loves him. I'm not alone in that. <laughs> so. so that's pretty minor. Um, oh, this isn't on our list but we could dip Go. in that. That's a segue to dip into the travesty that was the People's Sexiest Man cover. Oh, my God. Like, it could have been Mahershala Ali. He, the man's won an Oscar. It's not like he's, you know, nobody. But they chose Blake Shelton, which feels, like, just wrong on a lot of levels. Um, we don't have to go too deeply into no, it. Other I just than was very like, disappointed. What if we each pick one person that we would have rather uh, been on the cover? I mean, I mean, like, can I pick like a million people? Okay, I'm going with Shazad Latif, who is um, <laughs> Ash Tyler in um, right. Star Trek Discovery, and oh dear. All right, I'm gonna pick Idris Elba. Oh well, because yeah, he because obviously. Okay, that was that. Now for something completely different. The new Wrinkle in Time oh, job last night. Last so night, good. Or I think it was, was it last night? Company? I think it was I don't last know. I wrote about it this morning for Engadget. So if you haven't seen it, you know, I'll drop that link in the show notes. But, uh, um, I think it was last night. Time has lost all meaning. So at some point in the last 24 to 48 hours, this trailer came out. And it's the long, you know, we saw the teaser several months ago with the, the striking images and just, like, quick cuts. And this was a little more um, involved. I probably should have watched it again before we started recording, but whatever. Um, I am super excited. Everything it's looks really good. beautiful. I love that this trailer focused on kind of the science of it. Yeah. As the size of science nerd. Um, also, there's, a pic- like, a picture of Chris Pine in, like, a NASA, in, his, like, in, like, a NASA jacket. And I was like, I screenshotted it and tweeted like, like best Chris like <laughs> oh my god I'm a huge fan of Chris I, mean, I love Chris Pine and just I, I love yeah. I love the casting in this movie I the love casting the casting beautiful. so much it's it was like such a it's so funny because the book is the book is actually we should do we were talking about doing a reread which maybe we'll yeah. it's so short 
Um, like I saw my copy from like the eighties. Yeah. My I had the little, here. like the little mass market paperback yeah. with the green cover. With the yeah. green cover and the creepy, like, um, Centaur th- I can't remember yeah, yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, so the book is so short and, and not that it's not lush in terms of description, no. but it's not when I saw it on the screen in this like trailer, I was like, Oh Yes, I feel like that like, is the potential, like potential of what it could be. I feel like in some ways this is like The Hobbit, except not three yeah. movies long, and you know what? But like it's there. There are similarities there in terms of there is a lot that is not said in The Hobbit because it's a kids' book. Like if you yes. look at the description of The Hobbit versus Lord of the Rings, yes, yes, true. Yeah, there's that a lot sense. of filling in between the blanks, and like there's a lot of, and in The Hobbit, it it. It had the, you know, added thing where Peter Jackson had already imagined that universe. So it is very different. Obviously, that's three movies. This is one. But still, like. Although, so I think that this, I'm hoping and I'm fingers crossing that this leads to actually making a wind in the door and swiftly tilting planet. And it's incredible how many people don't know that. That is a, a quartet. Yeah. And I would be okay with them not making many waters because it's weird. And it it's doesn't. It's been so long since I've read it. I don't. Even Many know. Waters is the one that's about Sandy and Dennis going to like biblical times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like fine, and I know some people really like it, but it doesn't really fit in with the other three books because the other three books are still about Charles Wallace and, and Meg. Yeah. Um, especially like I would love to see just Wrinkle in Time, Wind in the Door, and Swiftly Tilting Planet just as like a trilogy. Yeah. Me too. You know, I would. I think it would be incredible, and like Ava doing all of them, and letting that kid grow up to be through these. Like, pull a Harry Potter, keep that cast in. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe not for Swiftly Tilting Planet because Meg and Calvin are like adults with children in that movie, right. and Charles Wallace is like sixteen. Um, so it's like, it, I just it looks so good, it does. and Oprah looks amazing, uh. and Kaling and Reese Witherspoon look amazing, and. Oh, it's just Ava DuVernay, like, God bless you so much. Just so much. I'm so excited. I can't wait till March. I, I, I'm really excited. I think it looks really good. Um, okay, so I guess we'll get into kind of our... Um, to focus, our focus topics for the, for the yeah. evening. And so, uh, so the- first, <laughs> actually, both of these we saw together, I realized. Oh, yeah. I realized. Because yeah, so. um, when Crazy was visiting, one of the things she made me do is she's been talking about this comedy special forever, Hasan Minaj's Homecoming, which is mm. on Netflix. And, and highly recommended. Yeah, and I she had recommended it, and all of you know by now that I am terrible at watching anything. Like, I'm just terrible at TV. I'm terrible at movies because, like, more often than not, when given the option to watch something, I will just rewatch something I love rather than watching something <laughs> new because it's you know, like easier and nostalgia and all that. So I'm terrible at watching things. So this has been on my list for a long time, but like we had like an extra hour before we were like going out to dinner and, um, it was like, okay, let's just sit down and watch it. And oh my God. We literally, it was so funny. Cause I've, I've now seen it, I think three or four times. Um, and Sabna kept pausing it to go, this is too real. Yeah, okay, so it is a comedy special, and it is very, very funny. 
But, like, he finds humor in, like, in some ways in the tragedy of his life as a, you know, like, as a person of color in the U.S. with A Muslim Muslim American. American, like, in a post-9-11 world. Like, a lot of the humor in it is, like, talking about the shared experiences of brown people um, in a world like, in a it's just it's it's real it is real like it is it's really good and i think the thing i like about it i mean there's a lot of things i liked about it but you and i preeti and i um have talked about i don't know that we've actually broached this on the podcast but the tension between writing for a broad audience like a south asian author or Mm -hmm. any ethnicity or any marginalized group writing for both their own their own people and a wide audience. Yeah, it's striking the balance where you have enough, where you are authentic and real without being alienating. And not to say that being from a marginalized background is inherently alienating, but anyone, you want to make sure that all of the jokes are not in jokes. All of the conversation pieces are in, you know, in conversation pieces. Because no matter what, that that feels alienating, you know? And he... Yeah, he does it. He does this just like in this amazing way. And it's in a way that centers what makes it so compelling in, in 2017, when we are getting narratives from South Asian creators, this is the first one I think that truly centers the South Asian gaze. Yeah. It truly, truly centers our experience. And then anyone who is not South Asian can enjoy it, but they're, but they will have to like, their viewpoint is secondary to ours. Yeah. Which I truly, I like really appreciate in a world where you have like shows that are created by South Asian creators that are very much centering the white gaze yeah. and making it about for pulling the white crew, the white viewer in or the non Desi viewer. Which I think in. there's nothing wrong with that. And I think no, it's, you should care to a broad audience, but sometimes it happens. And often, sadly, it happens. We're still navigating that tightrope. Like we don't right. know. So like, like, I'm not saying sacrifice. Preeti and I aren't saying we have the answer. We like, I don't know. Like it's hard to do, but, but you have something here with Hasan Minhaj that is so special because he struck, he, I think he struck that balance beautifully. He did. Um, he did. Making it universal, but keeping it specific. Yeah. You know, there are things that he um, talks about. And there, there, there's points where he speaks in Hindi. Mm-hmm. And he makes jokes in Hindi. And he says things like, oh, you're a darbuk. You know, you're like a whatever. Um, or this idea of like, he's not Hassan Minhaj. He's Hassan Minhaj. Yeah. Which are, are, this is like that balance of walking the line of like... A, you're Indian, but you're American, but you're balancing that act, you know? And also, you know, talking about, I've never seen a special that's like, you know, he's Muslim American where, you know, I'm Hindu and talking about that, like immigrant child experience, you know, that's so real and so funny, but also being that kid and like, growing up surrounded by people who didn't look like you. Right. But then also, and it po- totally pokes fun at our experiences and pokes oh, fun yes. at our family, but not in a, like this goes back to what we were saying about like the, my big fat Greek wedding immigrant yes. experience discussion. It doesn't do it in a malicious way because yeah. there are Indian comedians who, um, or South Asian comedians who I've seen ha- do this, but it's in a very negative way 
stereotypical it's, mean yeah, way. It's, it's talking about it's like in order to be successful and South Asian and funny, you have to make fun of the things that white people think are weird about Indian people. Right. And it's not necessarily that we don't think the same things are weird because, I mean, like, for sure, I think, you know, some of these things are funny, but it's done in a way like there's a difference in talking about it out of love and out of respect. Yeah, I mean, he talks about. Oh, one of one of my favorite bits is when he has a girl coming over to his house oh, for yeah. the first time, his his white princess Bethany, uh, and he's like, "Oh my God, she's not gonna get it. I'm she's never gonna talk to me again. Like, what are you doing?" And he walks through his house and he's like fifteen or something, six I don't know, sixty seventeen, yeah. and he's like, "Don't be weird. Like, don't be weird." And his dad's like, "Hassan." Yeah. What are you talking about? You know, and his dad's watching like ZTV or he's watching Cubby Cushy Cubby Gum on TV. His mom is like frying pakoras like and he's just like, oh, my God, this yeah. is too brown. Yeah. Which is something I think we've all we've dealt all with done. kids. Yeah. Where you're like where, you know, I definitely got made fun of for like my house smelling like Indian food. Yeah. You'd be like, ugh, she smells like curry. Yep. And like, it's a thing where you're like, you don't want your friends to know how weird your food smells. Of course, then you grow up and they're like, I love Indian food so much. Oh my God. But like, this special is so good. And I like, I just can't get over how not only like, not only the balance of that identity, those identity issues, yeah. but how well constructed the plot is. Yeah, because it has a plot, which is like well, this is a comedy special. It's it's really closer to a one man show it than is. it is like a comedy special. It it's like it's it's very it's a memoir. It's his life, you know, kind of up until he got cast on The Daily Show. Um, it's uh it's it's really well written. It is. You know, it's just really, really well written. And I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, like it is like there like pretty like what she says. Absolutely right. Like I just so many times I had to pause it and like take a deep breath because like I'm like, this is like my experience. And these are issues I still struggle with. It's not like, oh, I sympathize with this as a high schooler. I was like these are issues like identity yeah. issues. We still like, struggle with family issues, like, you know, your family, he became a comedian, you know, his, not the typical South Asian no career, like, I am a, you know, journalist and a writer, not a typical, and so, like, a lot of the things, like, it's still, you know, arguments I have with my family, and it's still, like, just the desire to be understood, and the, like, the, like, the need, that, like, you know, childish need for your um, parents to approve of you and to be proud of you, yeah. You and know? it's like, and it's like, and it's like, it's like it was too. Like I'm like talking about it. And I'm like, oh, this is too real, too real. But like, it's true. But that's balanced with like I want to tell there. He makes a joke about med students going to the Caribbean, oh. which is such. Oh a my god! Oh my god! Specific thing, and Swapin and I both screeched at that point because it's such a specific thing to our community. Yeah, because that is a real thing that happens. But like. Like it's and a I don't little think moment. A, I don't think a like a non uh, like, a white, person. like maybe like um some but some community but like a white person just would not get that joke. But like my sister went to med school in the Caribbean. Like I know 
so many people. Yeah, I know several people went to yeah. med school in the Caribbean. And like, it's just, it's a, it's a desi thing. Like, oh, like is med school, like, okay, well, we can always do the Caribbean. Like, you know, it's know. such a desi thing. Like it is. And like, it's just these, but like, if you don't understand that joke, there's a joke that rolls right after it that you will understand. And right. Like, exactly. It's just balance. And all those jokes tidy up into this story and this like really poignant story about growing up here and the effects that our society can have on us, you know, the, like in a post nine 11 life, when, um, he tells this like really heartbreaking story about what, I don't want to spoil it, but what happens immediately following nine 11 to his family. And, you know, I had moments in my family where can't leave until you tell us where Osama is. And it was just, you know, things like my parents wouldn't let my sister and I go out. My brother almost got the shit beat out of him in a bar. Yeah. For being, for looking Muslim or for yeah, whatever. my parents wouldn't let me. It was like I was going to college. Like, it happened, like, three days before I was supposed to, before I left to go to college. And, like, my parents wouldn't let me leave the house in those three days. Yeah, it's terrifying. And so this is, the story he writes is very relevant, both just in the, after just what it's been like for brown america like post 9 11 yeah and then it's happening you know in some ways it's happening all over again um and so yeah no it's a it's really well done if you haven't checked it out like i think it's absolutely you know it's only like an hour long i think yeah it's super short i think it might just be an hour also he's very handsome yeah and he is he's just there's an earnestness there. Like, I don't know. I can't put my th- finger on it. He has it's a similar his- quality to, like, Dev Patel to me. There's, like, a similar, like, earnestness. It's it's a vulnerability, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> Probably. Um, but there's something. It's, just, it's very funny. It's on Netflix. It's called Homecoming King. No, Homecoming. I think it's just Homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah. Um, I get it confused with Spider-Man, though. I know. When you said Homecoming, I was like, oh, are we going to talk about Spider-Man again? <laughs> Which we sure. also watched. We did. <laughs> I know that will shock none of you. <sighs> um, but speaking of that, we had a very Marvel-filled weekend, too, because we yeah. saw yeah. Thor Ragnarok. We did. Uh, uh, okay, so if you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, uh, you probably want to skip this. And we'll put the um, timestamp in the show notes because we will get into spoilers. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, skip this section. So, okay, Thor, did you like oh, it? Nice. I, I thought it was excellent. Like, I, I knew I was going to like it. I went in with, like, really high expectations, and I feel like it met every single one yeah. of them. I um, was sitting next to Preeti, so I knew the answer to this question already. <laughs> there was a point, and it was, like, it, was, it wasn't even, like, we hadn't gotten into, like, the really funny parts no. of the movie. But it was, like, when Loki, um, like, when Doctor, it was, like, they met Doctor oh, Strange. It was, oh, when I couldn't stop laughing? Yeah. There's this, that moment when Loki lands in Doctor Strange's manner, and he goes, I have been falling for 30 minutes i lost my like, shit like to the point where we were but we were with another friend jen and jen like i heard jen turn to breathing and be like are you okay i couldn't because handle she just it couldn't stop laughing and it was <laughs> so great it was so I, like, great i couldn't handle it it was so and i knew because you know taiko Waititi, um who's a new zealand comedian actor director new from new zealand uh comedian 
actor, director, uh, and writer, um, was directed this film. And he is, if you've never seen his movie, what we do in the shadows, uh, which he did with Jemaine Clement from, um, flight of the Concords, it's a mockumentary about vampires living in New Zealand. And it is one of the funniest things I have ever seen. Like I cry. I laugh so hard watching this movie like you must watch it it, but after thor now i want to it's so so good so like i knew coming into thor that it was gonna be funny but it was it was funny but it was also a good movie like it was like a good marvel movie it was it was was a great it was it was i think it was like a great movie like i i really enjoyed it it was i have a real love for the thor movies i know like they get a lot of flack i love both I the like, Thor movies. Oh, I do love the Dark World. I, I do. Like, I love the first no, one. No, I love this. I've watched, literally, I've watched the Dark World, like, twice in the past, like, two weeks. Like, I, since watching this movie. I love the Dark World. It has its problems. I'm not pretending like it is a perfect movie. It's got a lot of issues, but I do still do enjoy it. And I, I feel like... I've only seen it once. I only saw it the one time. I, I really like it, and I feel like we get... we. It's the intermediate step between... Because part of my problem with um, kind of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like making Loki, he's like, he becomes like a, like, he's like evil. Like he like murders, you know what I mean? And like, it's like the middle step between like, it's hard. He's such a likable character that it's easy to forget like the misdeeds of his past. But I feel like Thor Ragnarok really redeemed him. Like that's the type of justice I want. Like, that's how I want Loki. Like, that's the Loki I like versus, like, the Loki in Avengers. Avengers Well, it's funny because the Loki, that is a very, like, actually comics-looking thing. Yes, it is. It is very much comics-looking. I'm going to take it, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, but i take a minute to plug Loki, Agent of Asgard Mm -hmm. by Al Ewing. And um, I cannot remember the artist's name, but I like him so much. Um, Because... That is a book, that book, that, that, and it's a limited series. It, it only ran like, uh, not too many issues. I can't remember how many, but it's basically the redemption, not redemption of Loki, but it's a character study. It's yeah. a character study. You know, he tries so hard to be good. And a, as a character, Loki is not good or bad. Yeah. He's the trickster. He is like, He'll do evil things. He'll do good things. He's self-serving. He's there to like fuck things up basically. Um, And just kind of get off on that like uh, chaos. He's, he's the, he's the God of lies, the God of story. One of my favorite themes about Loki in agent of Loki, agent of Asgard is that he's the God of lies, but that means he's the God of story because stories are lies. There's, they're tales that we tell, you know, we spin tales and I just think it's a fascinating character study, which you see shades of that in Thor Ragnarok of right. Loki. He's still self-serving. Like, he's not a good dude, but he finds redemption in realizing, you know, the pain he went through in Dark World and kind of coming together for the greater good. Well, and I also think what I liked about it is that, like, um, I totally forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh man! Okay, I was gonna. It was gonna be. It was gonna be good too. It was gonna be good. 
Um, oh, okay, no, I remember what it was. Okay, got it. Uh, so, like, in the in Thor, in the original Thor movie, which I love that movie, but in the first Thor I like movie, it, yeah. you don't get the sense, like, he, you get the sense that he has always, like, you don't get the history of being a trickster. It seems like no. he's just, he is, like, he has always been, like, and I'm not saying this is how it is, but, like, the sense you get from that movie is he's always been good and is doing things behind people, manipulating people behind their backs. What I loved about Ragnarok is, like, that story, which I laugh every time I even think about it, where Loki knew Thor liked snakes, and so Thor, like, went up, like, he turned himself into a snake, and Thor went up to, and they were like, this is when they were kids, and Thor went up to, like, hug this, or, like, grab the snake, and Loki turned back into itself and stabbed know, Thor. So but, like, it's like you get the sense that, like, okay, like, there's this long history of him being a trickster. Yeah. He's been that way since they were kids. And I think that's a thing that neither of the previous Thor movies really were able to capture. No. Like, this or is really a part of who he is. Any of the, like, movies in which Loki has appeared. Yeah. Like, right? It's, it's not good. It's not evil. Like, they try to paint... Like, it's just, he's not a character who can be painted into a box. And I appreciated right. that this, this, I feel like this is the first movie that didn't try to turn him into something else. It didn't try to make him good. Right. Whereas Avengers was trying to make him evil. This is just like it's Loki. It is, right. He's like, he kind of sucks, but he's funny, but he's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, one thing I read, I read like a really short, um, I don't remember where I read this. Some website, some journalism, something or the other. I've been traveling for a long time. It's okay. It's okay. So basically because Taika Waititi's Maori and the humor in this, um, this piece was positing that there is a Maori tradition of humor that is the joke is not, the joke is on the person who thinks they're the best. Mm-hmm. Like, Thor thinks he's the best, so he's often the butt of jokes mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. That's just funnier, and which yeah. is counter to what most of the Marvel movies do. With Tony is the one who gets the quips, Cap's the one who gets the quips. You know this, and I think Spider Man does this too, which is the people who think they're like the most powerful people are the ones who kind of are the butt of jokes because that what's, that's what makes them relatable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It still allows them and not in a mean way, but in a way that's like, you can be good and still be laughed at. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, really appreciate it about this because like Thor is wonderful, but this is, this movie made him a real character. Yeah. He was, there wasn't as much. Dim- I don't want to say he was one dimensional because that's not the case. But there was. This added a lot of dimension to him. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Tessa Thompson. Oh, she was great. Who is so good as Valkyrie? Mm-hmm. Um, she was when I found out she was cast as Valkyrie. I was psyched. You know, she's in Dear White People. She was in Creed. You know, she was in Veronica Mars. Yes. Homegirl, like girls she's are working in, um, a lot. I believe she's in Westworld. Um, I've she not tried. Oh, I love Westworld. I couldn't get pulled into it. Oh, I tried. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I don't okay, think I anyway. even made it to her. Um, but that said, she works, she's been working really hard for a really long time. Yeah. And so to see her get cast in something that I, that's going to change her life. You know, you're in a Marvel movie. You don't, Yeah. you don't go back to like 
the way it was after you're in a Marvel movie. And she was outstanding in this role, you know? She's She's like kick-ass. She's complicated. She's... I want a movie of that whole Valkyrie sequence. Yeah. Of all of them dying trying to take down Hela. Yeah, I agree. Like an entire film. It'd be tragic and beautiful. I just want, like, she, like, didn't I read a thing where, like, she pitched, like, a basically kick-ass, like, women's Avengers type. She was like, yeah, we should do that. Like, Gamora, and, like, she really wanted, like, I was like, I would watch that so fast, like. Because then I wrote up a piece that I was like, these are the people who should be on your team. Oh, yeah, and then she tweeted it, didn't she? And she did, and it was very exciting for me. She's It's little things like that that make my day. Yeah, she's very good at Twitter. Um, but she was so good in this role. Just like, I didn't, when that opening sequence happens and she walks out of her ship and falls down because she's so wasted. I laughed so hard. Like I didn't, she's so funny. Like she's funny. And she she has great comedic timing, which is one of the things I think I, I think I have not seen that side of her. Right. I've seen her as a dramatic actress and I've seen her in like dark comedy, but I haven't ever, I hadn't seen her be just like straight up, like really funny in like a slapstick kind of way, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, and her relationship to Hulk is so good. You know, like after this, can we talk about how good Mark Ruffalo was? Yes. We're going to talk about Mark Ruffalo. We're going to talk about Kate Blanchett. Um, but one of the things that I was bummed out about is they cut mm-hmm. a scene from the movie that, like we were talking about earlier, made subtext text. You know, there's a lot of subtext in that Valkyrie scene that the blonde woman who is killed by Hilla is Val- is Valkyrie's girlfriend mm-hmm. because she's canonically bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and they cut a scene that confirmed that the character is bisexual. I don't know if it's in that sequence but they cut the scene that confirmed it and they took text and made it subtext which is just infuriating because it's 2017 just put gay people in movies can you imagine like a queer black woman in a marvel film like canonically that was a really slow way of saying that word (laughs) Um. but it would be amazing. It's just, it's, it's almost to the point where like, not that I don't want to talk about it. Like it's a discussion we should keep having until they change something, but it's just so tired. Like really yes. again, like again, like, like really do we have to have this conversation like, again? Just like do it, man. Like, come on, like stop, you know, stop making it like, and I, I appreciated that. Like, like, sure, let her and Thor have her have their moments because they're both, like, stupid hot. Mm-hmm. I get it. But at the end of the day, like, I appreciate there was no kissing, which mm-hmm. I'm a person who loves, like, kissing in movies. I'm like, do it. Please. Make this a kissing movie. But I liked that that wasn't in this movie. See, for me, like, I really appreciate when they don't because I, like, I'm, like, I always, I think there's a dearth of, like, healthy, especially, like, male female friendship yeah no absolutely like on so i very much appreciate and yeah they have i mean those both of those people would have chemistry with a wall yeah of course they have amazing chemistry literally everyone in this movie has chemistry with everyone you're like it's confusing but you're into it and like i don't know but everyone has chemistry with everyone 
And okay, so Mark Ruffalo as Hulk, like I've always thought he made a great Hulk. I've always I agree. he makes a great Bruce Banner. I thought he I agree. But the the dimension you get with Hulk in this movie was amazing. Oh, God. Uh, I still can't believe I had to see Hulk, but oh, yeah, yeah, that, I could have done a, without. I could have without. done without it. That's uh, not the kind of dimension I wanted from Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my headphones came out because I laughed too hard. Ah. All right, we're good. Um, he was so good in this. He I liked him so a lot. Good. He was so good. I'm and, like, a little sad because don't, I don't. I don't Hulk, want him to be Hulk forever. Hulk is like so like one dimensional by definition. He's one dimensional, except he's not, and you like get to see that in this movie. Um, yeah, no, I really, really liked seeing him. And then, um, who am I forgetting? Kate Blanchett. Oh my god! Whoa. Like, oh, talk about a dark queen. You know what I loved? I loved that. She brings in the reality of colonialism and war and conquest and what it means to have an Asgard that rules over rules in quotations over realms, much like some other empires that have existed and what that truly meant. Like, and the fact that they erased that history was such a real thing because, you know, it's happened to indigenous populations all over the world Mm -hmm. where what, an empire means is a lot of blood and death of native like people. How do you think that, how do you think the empire is established? Right. It's through like subjugation. Right. That's how that all works. <laughs> yeah. So I just, it's, it's not, and I think you, I remember you, you asked me when we, the trailer for this, she's like, you asked me like, am I seeing a, like a commentary on colonialism in this trailer? Like, yeah, be about that. And yeah. it actually kind of was, and it was great. Like it went in directions. You don't, you didn't expect it to go. And it's especially powerful coming from a director who is in Na- he's native Maori or, yeah. you know, indigenous New Zealanders. Yes. And that made it all the more powerful. I mean, of. it's, it's telling that when you have, you get perspectives that you don't, you might not get when you hire people whose perspective is not often shared. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like banging on my like, m- like mattress right now. Cause I'm like, just hire more people who will like allow for new story. Thor yeah. has been universally praised. Like, it's not a perfect movie. As we said, nothing is perfect, but it's not a recycling of the same movie we've seen 15 times either. That's, it was smart. It was surprising. It was, you know, the idea that all of these Asgardians are now refugees who have to find somewhere to go is compelling and it's realistic in a really awful sort of way. But it was a ne- like a necessary, I, I, I just love that they're, these are the themes we're getting out of like, a funny Thor movie. Yeah, like, and that's what I was going to say. It ha- deals with all of those things while also being the funniest Marvel movie by far. So that funny. We've Just so funny. Like, yeah. Guardians is funny. Yeah. Of course. This is funnier. Guardians is funny. Thor was funny in a way that, like, didn't cut people down to be funny. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I agree. Like, in a, in a mean way, I mean. And... Chris Hemsworth, man. Like, I knew he was funny because he's funny in the other movies. And he, like, he also has a great sense of comedic timing. And he also, like, 
is so hot and can do drama, but man. He was great. He's so good. That, from the first trailer, when he's like, when the, the Hulk comes out into the thing, into the stadium, and he's like, his face goes from like, ready to fight to like this giant shit eating grin. Yes. Oh my God. I it's almost wish they funny. hadn't ruined that moment or nope. not ruined. They hadn't revealed that right. moment in the trailer because it would have been so good to see it for the first time on the big screen. Like it was a great trailer moment. And so like, and it's what like drew me into the trailer. So I understand why they used it, but to see that like for the first time on the big so screen, good. that reveal, if you didn't know the Hulk was in this movie. Agreed. But uh, you know what? This I'm going to say something that's a little controversial. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me. Because while I loved Jeff Goldblum as Jeff Goldblum in this movie, I didn't really think all of the like game stuff was that necessary or his scenes were that necessary. I felt like he was very underused. And I wonder right? if there was a lot of it that ended up on the cutting room floor just for time. Maybe. It just felt like... He was unnecessary. Like, yeah, no, I agree. I know what you're saying. Like, I loved having him, and he was funny, and I loved him, but he didn't just add to a lot to the overall package. Yes, exactly. Like, that character, I feel like... I don't know if I'm trying to say that I thought he deserved more in terms of actual But I plot. don't think you could have put more in this movie without making no. it over the top. Like, it, it, was was, almost, it just went it went there, but it didn't go over the top. Like, no, I agree just there. close. I don't think it was more that I want more, but I wanted more relevancy. Yeah. I, Does that make sense? No, I agree. I actually... I, I thought the same thing. Like, I was... I forget he's... A, because I, like, forget right. he was in the movie. Right, because he's so sort of incidental to right. the actual plot other than... Because, like, in terms of, like, obviously his character matters, but in terms of getting Jeff Goldblum to play a character in a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. I felt like he could have had more effect on the actual I would have loved plot. for him to be in a different movie and them to just cast some, like, like a, you know, like a smaller actor in that part. So yeah. He, he was Jeff Goldblum in a bigger role. Because it's Jeff Goldblum, and he's amazing. <sighs> okay, I think that is our Thor Ragnarok discussion. Yeah, I'm sure there's more, but it's like past nine. and Preeti's like, I want to go to sleep. I'm okay. real tired. So let's go quickly to the things we love. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I watched The Defenders, which, you know, the Marvel <laughs> Netflix series, the, for the first time, like, just two or three weeks ago, um, because uh, as we have discussed, I am terrible at TV. So I watched it for the first time. Um, plot is terrible and makes no sense. Um, but I absolutely adore the dynamic between, you know, especially like Jessica and Matt. I love that. I know. Like how ridiculous right. she finds him. Like, it's just, I love it. And I'm actually rewatching it. Ryan's watching it now um, because he hadn't seen it. And I was like, like, I kept, like, pausing the jokes and making him watch it. He's like, fine, stop doing that, and I will watch the show. So now we're rewatching it again, and I am enjoying it just as much the second time. All right, so here's the thing. I agree with you. I think that they are very, 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 very lucky that they have incredibly charismatic actors, Finn Jones notwithstanding. Um, that between, I also like, wrote Coulter. a post on... Um, sci-fi fangirls about how boring he is that has also gotten me a lot of hate across the internet so because people you have can't hated me on the internet like a lot these past so you should weeks. send some to some love because 
we got to counter <laughs> My counter Twitter that. Twitter is a mess, basically. But so they they are very lucky that they have these charismatic actors who have a lot of chemistry in the scenes together. I would watch a supercut of Jessica finding Matt ridiculous. Yes, absolutely. That said, show's problematic as hell, and it really like doesn't make sense. No, like it feels like they really coasted on how charismatic the actors yeah. are. But for me, like I know that's fine. Like I, I know I enjoy it for what I it just is. Guess it makes me so mad. It feels like such wasted potential. Because I'm like, it could have been great. Because I, I also really love Elodie Young and Charlie Cox oh, together. God, like they're terrible. So, their chemistry is in like this. outstanding, and like they use. Uh, this is like a whole episode on its own. I was so, gonna say this is the thing I love, so don't be too. No, Sugna <laughs> loves it. Yeah, I know it's problematic. They're great on I it. It's, I know it's, but I, I just, so, I, I'm, I'm enjoying watching it. They're great. It's fun to watch. Like, it's fun to watch actors who like feel look very comfortable together and have a really great back and forth. And they write some really good lines in for for yes. um, the other three defenders. The dialogue is a lot of fun. The dialogue is fun, and how ridiculous they all find Iron Fist is also a lot of fun. Yes, yes. Um, all right. The the thing really person that I love is Rick Riordan. Um, because I was at a conference this weekend. Tell people who he is if they don't know. So he wrote the Percy Jackson series, which is the world of Percy Jackson. So it's Percy Jackson, Heroes of Olympus, Magnus Chase, and the Trials of Apollo now are all of the series that are part of the same world. Um, Anna Kane Chronicles, sort of, but a little more in a looser sense. I love these books so much. Like, I realize they're for kids, but they are the most, they're full of like dad jokes, which I love a good dad joke. They are the most inclusive children's literature that like mainstream children's literature before like the diverse books conversation had even really started in a meaningful way. Like he was already doing that work. Rick, Rick, I mean, like, these are wildly successful where he doesn't have to include, you know, gay kids and brown kids and kids with learning disabilities and, and kids who, you know, identify as, you know, somewhere in between on the gender spectrum or whatever. And he does it because he wants every child in every classroom to be seen no matter. I'm going to start crying because yeah, it's it, just it, like, I so- read these books and I am, this is not normally the type of book I read and I, I, I think I completely – I read them based because you love them so much, and I agree. They're wonderful. They're just like – you know, they're not these it's, – it's not Harry Potter. It's not Lord of the Rings. It's not written in this sort of like traditional fantasy sort of narrative. It's very commercial. It's very, you know, middle grade, first person oftentimes, um, multi-narrative uh, in a few of the books. But it's about kids succeeding against all odds, and it's about all kids succeeding against all odds. And um, in the show notes, I'm going to link to uh, this speech that he gave at the Stonewall Awards, which is um, a literary achievement for gay LGBTQIA plus representation in literature. 
um, which he won for having a non-binary character in the Magnus Chase series. He gave a speech at the Stonewall Awards this summer, and I was lucky enough to attend. And it was just something that I think every single person should read, like everyone. Um, and he was there at a dinner that I went to and I lost it a little bit. Um, and so I've been thinking about him a lot because not only is he writing these books himself and like putting these characters in these books that he's writing, he recognizes the importance of lifting up authors from underrepresented backgrounds. And he's actually created an imprint at Disney called Rick Riordan presents where he's finding authors to tell their own stories. Um, the first book of which is coming out this spring, uh, called Arusha and the end of time, the end of time, something like that. I should know this because I profiled for uh, sci-fi fangirls, but But it was um, written by Roshni Choksi, who is, um, a Desi author. And, and I think the second book has been announced, announced and it is also yeah. by a POC author, I want to say. It's definitely yeah. own voices. Like it's, it's own, own voices. voices. But this is like uh, it's it's like the ideal, you know, it's it's this man who is again like wildly successful, does not have to be doing anything mm-hmm. like this, but he's a former teacher. He wrote this book. He he wrote Percy Jackson because his son, you know, had a learning disability. He wanted his son to have someone to identify with and he recognizes the importance of representation on such like a real level that is so rare for you know a person of that caliber to do and it was just I just want everyone to read his books they're so good and so that's who I love right now um and okay so that's our show um so we are a part of the hard knock life podcast network um so if you it's a network of podcasts of people of color. Definitely recommend you check it out. Um, for example, the latest episode of the Hard Knock Life podcast, um, you may have seen the amazing cover um, on Entertainment Weekly. I think it was like two weeks ago. It's Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. So it was Constance Wu and Henry Golding. And it was just stunning. Ooh. It was it was incredible. Good-looking cover. <laughs> it was. And so actually, um, Keith Chow brought in the stories author who is Shirley Lee um to talk about the shoot and you know the movie and all of that stuff so anyway check out that their latest episode and like as we said before our Force Awakens episode comes out next week um and then next month we'll be discussing the first three episodes of the first season of The Expanse which is a sci-fi show on the sci-fi network for our patron, I Ben am very spelly. I have watched the first season of The Expanse. I've read like I think four of the books. I love the series. I don't think you've seen it. I literally don't know anything about it. Okay, so and I think this will be a fun conversation. Yeah, I was gonna say. So we're gonna watch the first three episodes of that and then discuss um, in December, and that will be awesome because I'm really excited. I love, I love, love, love. Yeah. So right now, all of our ten dollars spots on our Patreon are actually filled up. Yes, um, but so some should probably open up like early next year. Yeah. So. so like probably in like you know March, April, we'll have some spots opening up. Um, but um, so for our Patreon subscribers, thank you to I've been very smelly, <laughs> Fazia and Anne Marie at the ten dollar level. 
Sam, Jordan, Annie, Megan, Claire, Brian, Robert, and Gayathri at the $5 level. And don't forget, if you want one of our holiday cards, <laughs> pledge a dollar by December 15th. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash Girls. And please rate us on iTunes. In the meantime, you can also find us on Twitter at Girls, and I am at Ramit Skizzers. I am at S. Krishna. And until next time, we will see, see you, you in hell! hell.